Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Kira Hug from the Copywriter Club podcast. And if you want to build better relationships in life, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Kira Hug. Kira is the personality-driven copywriter behind some of the most successful launches online. She's worked for people like James Wedmore, Jasmine Starr, Rick Mulready, and Jonathan Fields. And she's also co-founder of the Copywriter Club and co-host of the Copywriter Club podcast. She helps small business owners package their weird and to find their brand personality with her brand living room framework. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation. Copywriting is got to be one of the most crucial factors in being successful with your online business. Um, so, And for those of you who are not online, really just any of your marketing, you got to have good copy on any of your marketing that you're putting out there. Um, so I'm, I'm really stoked to get in this conversation with Kira 
Uh, but first, really quickly, if you are a podcaster and you are wondering how I book some of the guests that I have here on the show, then you're going to want to head over to this totally free software that we built recently called Guestio. You can uh, sign up for a totally free account and browse through a ton of different guests that you could potentially bring onto your show. Some of them for free, some of them are paid, but uh, it's at least worth going and checking out. That's over at guestio.com. You never know who you'll find over there uh, through one of their profiles. So guestio.com, head over there, sign up for a free account and browse through our lists of guests today. Kira, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Guestio sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> right, writing you. that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, go, go check it out. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Maybe those of you who are listening to this right now, you might actually be able to go book Kira after this. So <laughs> I will go on Guestio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my awesome. next step. <laughs> well, cool, hey, Kira. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I do have I have so much respect for copywriters, especially good ones like you, because it is one of the more intricate skill sets that exists in our industry. And so I'm really curious to hear your story of how you got into doing that. So let's rewind the clock, go back to, let's say, 13, 14-year-old Kira. Where did you grow up? What were your parents doing? How did you get into what you're doing now? Yeah, I love going back in time. I was probably playing with Barbies. I like even what grade? So what grade is thirteen? I'm trying to think. Is that uh, eighth that would, grade? Yeah, I was gonna say that'd be, probably be right around junior high, yeah, eighth grade or so. Okay, so yeah, awkward stage. I moved. So great, throw a move into the mix when you're an awkward eighth grader. But I moved from living in the suburbs of Chicago and I moved to Virginia. My dad was a pilot, and so he transferred positions in airports. And so I just dyed my hair orange, cut my hair off because it was nice. really trendy, really trendy in Illinois at my school, but not so trendy in Virginia. And I had, <laughs> had braces and I was the new kid in eighth grade um, and still definitely playing with Barbies and like played Barbies very late in age. And so dealt with a big move and was kind of like always very social, always into community building connection, which later, you know, shows up in networking today, but also really shy and, and, you know, somewhat awkward too, uh, and a quieter student at that stage. But the best thing you can do at that age is actually move and be thrown into an entirely new environment Mm -hmm. to learn how to learn how to survive. Right. So I think being forced to make friends was a really good skill to have at that stage, because I even remember your first day of eighth grade at lunch, not knowing anyone and walking up to this girl who like seemed nice and asking her if I could sit with her at lunch, which, you know, I probably would never have done if I hadn't moved. So um, that just kind of started the whole networking process of like, oh, this is how we make friends. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I was always the kid who was in art and the person in my family who was the artist the creative, the, um, using my imagination. That was my role in my family. Got it. So what were you intending on doing when you got out of high school? So I always followed the artist's path and I knew art would be involved somehow, but you know, at that stage, my parents were really supportive and just like, cool, you're, you're an artist, like go do that. But there wasn't a clear path. You know, what does that even mean? Are you a starving artist? I mean, that's basically the path that was laid out in front of me was like, cool, right. you could do that, but what are you going to really do? Yeah, um, like, so like how are you I, gonna, you know? yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And like at that time, even for writing, I never even considered writing as an option. So it wasn't really clear to me. I wasn't on this set path other than I did believe that I could figure it out, but it was, it was wide open at that point. I just knew I was a creative 
and that I should follow, continue to follow the creative path into college. And so I went to school to study art and continued because again, that was like that, those were the compliments I always received. It was always Mm. around creativity. So that's kind of all I knew. And so I didn't want to stray too far away from it. Plus I really enjoyed the creative path. So that was a big motivator for me to go to school was to continue down that path. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what ended up happening in school for you? Like, I mean, did you end up graduating with that degree or did you pursue something different? Did you make it through all the way? Yeah. So I ended up going to this huge, you know, huge public school, Virginia Tech. What I did know at that age was that as much as art was a part of me, I knew I was really interested in going to a big school, like with a football team and kind of having more of the all around college American experience with, I was interested in this, the Greek system. I wanted to join a sorority. I wanted to um, be part of a really big school that had a lot to offer. So um, I ended up at this gigantic school in this little art department. The art department was very small. That was not a big part of the school. And so continued down that art path, but trying to figure out what that would actually, again, like, what does that mean as a career? There were no, there were no really great guides at that point. So I did move into more of a graphic design path, which most artists at that stage moved down that path. Cause it was like, well, you could get a job at a ad agency or you could work in house. So at least that path seemed to make sense. So I followed that, but along the way, I was always the, the student, I guess not really a kid at that stage, who was involved in all the other activities. Like I was president of my sorority. Mm. Um, I was like joining newspaper staff. I was on the magazine staff. Um, I worked several jobs and was very diverse in my interest and liked to hang out with a wide range of people in different groups. So I didn't want to just hang out with my art friends. I wanted to hang out with my sorority, you know, Greek life friends. And I wanted to hang out with the newspaper staff and like then the advertising crew. And so I loved that college allowed to jump socially from group to group and kind of explore all these different worlds in one place. And, and that's really, you know, what I took from the experience was being able to do that and then pull in a wide range of interests and know that I didn't have to be one thing. I didn't just have to be the artist because I wasn't really the artist, but I was like mm. the artist slash, it was like in a business. So I loved that. And I was drawn to the fact that it was in this community and it was running a business and a system and connecting with this community of people. And um, so it allowed me to kind of pursue these other interests that later, you know, kind of make sense when I look back, like that makes sense for business and the direction I've taken. Yeah, sure. And obviously, you got a lot of different experiences and insights into several different, you know, industries, for lack of a better word, I guess, but um, walks of life, cultures, uh, ways of living, I guess, through all those different people that you're hanging out with. How do you think that that affected your decision to end up doing what you're doing now? And talk me through that path and timeline, you know, so if like from the time that you left school, how long did it take in order for you to be on the copywriting career path that you've been on now for a while? Yeah. I mean, when I graduated from school, it was my focus had changed more to advertising, marketing. I loved the intersection between imagery and copy. And so I felt that interest. I wasn't quite sure what that meant and then graduated. And my only interest was in moving to New York City. Even though I had done, I had kind of checked all the, 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 the list of all the important things in college, what to do 
but I hadn't done a good job of looking for jobs ahead of time. So I was kind of starting from just starting from zero and looking for jobs in New York City, which is one of the most competitive cities in the world. I took the first job I could grab, which was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which was totally not related to any of my interests at the time, but was probably the, one of the more influential jobs that I had early in my career, learning hardcore sales, learning marketing, just grueling, like a really grueling training program. And so that set the tone. And the best part is I was in New York City. So I didn't care what I was doing. I was working downtown Brooklyn and my dream like I kind of felt like, wow, I, I accomplished my dream to live here. Like, what do I do now? That was what I always wanted. So I kind of had to figure out at that point, what do I do now? And I don't want to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for long. What is my path? And so I spent the next few years really figuring that out and jumping from that role to working in-house at Estee Lauder, which felt a little bit more aligned with my previous interest in art. I was working in a design uh, team, but that quite didn't click either because it was this huge company. And it was 2008 when jobs were being cut. And I remember half my team was cut and I was just really turned off um, to the corporate world and didn't feel like I fit in. And there was also this hunger in me. I remember that I was young. I wanted to learn. I knew that time after college was really precious and I felt that urgency, like, do not stay in one place too long. Do not stay somewhere where you're not learning. And I, and such a big company, I wasn't really learning. And so mm. I knew, and I was felt, <laughs> I was smart enough at that time to jump to a position, um, a marketing role at a, a nonprofit where it was super small and I could do everything. I could plan events. I could build memberships. I could run research teams. And that's what I needed. I needed to just get a ton of experience fast. Yeah, and so right. I moved into that world, into the nonprofit world, managing uh, marketing teams at that point. And, and how, how old were you at that time? Um, I was probably 25. So where do you think the awareness came in that told you that, you know what, earning a good salary at a esteemed company like Estee Lauder might not be the greatest position for me as a 24, 25, 23 year old right now. It's probably better for me to prioritize learning and gaining a ton of experience rather than collecting a paycheck from an awesome company or something like that. Does that make, I don't know if that question makes yeah. sense. I, just, I feel like a lot of young people prioritize the wrong things because society and culture has this hold on people and makes you feel like you're a failure if you're not in your dream position by the time you're 24 years old. I think there's just a lot of kids that are prioritizing the wrong things and they get to their 30s when they should be making like leaps and bounds or their 40s when they should be like really, you know, um, um, banging on all cylinders, so to speak. And they're kind of finding that they have to almost do a reset at age 42 or 43. And I think that that's due largely in, in part to uh, culture telling you when you're 24 that, you know, you need to prioritize this over this. And it, it's... So I, whenever people like you take this other path and, and purposefully go down this different direction that I think is the correct direction, um, I'm just curious on, on how you arrived at that decision. Yeah, it's such a good question. I, the time at Estee Lauder was really helpful. It was only, I think, a year that I worked there, but it kind of felt like what you're saying. This, I should be happy. This is a really glamorous company. I should want to stay here and work my way up. But when half my team was cut, like on a random day, again, it was 2008. So this was happening everywhere. But 
people who had worked at the company for 22 years lost their job out of nowhere. And they were my friends. And so of course I didn't lose my job because I was like barely getting paid. I could stay on the, the roster. But to see that lack of loyalty, mm. it was kind it was a bit shocking to the point where I was like, well then what does does a large corporation have to offer me? Yeah, if right. loyalty is like so so what's the point? Because the learning curve wasn't great. So I think that was just a really good wake up call that this is not the path that I want to stay on. And because I didn't have a clear end direction in sight, I didn't know that I wanted to be a copywriter. I didn't know where I would end up. I knew I had to just keep jumping. And so I think mm-hmm. it was because I didn't have that satisfaction of a cushy job or a cushy path that some of my friends had who are still at the same company they were at when they were 25. Because I didn't have that. And I, I really sometimes felt bad about myself at the time because I didn't have that. I had to keep kind of that curiosity and that keep jumping and learning, which in the end helped me greatly. But at the time it did feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm not doing something right here because none of this is quite fitting. But what I did know is that I had that entrepreneurial itch. And even when I was working at Estee Lauder, I was like, I want to start my own company, but I didn't know what it was. And I knew I was too too early. I wasn't quite ready. So I knew the only way I could start to move closer to building my own business was to work at smaller companies where I could learn a ton. So I I knew that I wasn't ready for to become an entrepreneur, but I knew that that was finally the direction that I saw myself moving in, which was a big aha moment to even have that sense of direction. Hmm, yeah, got it. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed, if you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So copywriting then, let's let's talk a little bit more about copywriting specifically. You've worked with some of the biggest names out there with some incredible launches, James, James Wedmore, 
Jasmine Starr, Rick Moretti, all these people that you've worked with and, and writing copy for them. You're obviously good at what you do. And I'm curious to find out how you got to that point. So talk to me now, transitioning over into copywriting and how you started getting in that world. Yeah. So as I was working at these different marketing gigs and nonprofits, I ended up at a startup as a director of marketing. And so at that point, I was writing copy and doing many other things. And I had known other copywriters. Actually, I had even hired other copywriters for like my you know, side business gigs, but I never thought that I was a copywriter until my friend, who was a colleague at the time, hired me to write her website copy. And then um, other colleagues hired me to write their website copy. And finally, like my friend had to tell me, Kira, why are you pursuing all these other side business ideas? And I was like pursuing wedding business ideas and all these other concepts that weren't really taking off. And she's like, why don't you just do what people are paying you to do? I'm paying you to write copy. You have a business here. And so it was the wake up call from my friend to just say, Hey, you're a copywriter. Do this. Like yeah, this is working. Right. Don't, don't overthink it. And once that message finally hit, I was, I was set. I was committed. And I was like, this is the path. I'm going to go all in and build my copywriting business. Yeah. And it's not like that's a, a bad business to get into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's a historically difficult business to make money with. Like if you're, if you're good at it, then just by nature of being good at it, you're going to make money from the business because you're good at the task of writing copy to sell people anyway, right? Like, I mean... Yeah, definitely. Definitely tracks and props to your friend for uh, being the person <laughs> to step in and say, hey, why don't you just do that? It's, isn't it funny sometimes, Kara, how like we as as business owners and uh, and as, you know, coaching consultants, course creators, we have the ability a lot of times to look at what other people are doing and help them out and just can't do the same thing for ourselves sometimes. And it's so useful, so helpful to have other people in our lives who can look at what we're doing and be like, Hey, why don't you just do this? And then you're just like, Oh, duh. Why didn't I just, <laughs> why didn't I think about that already? Right. So, yeah. um, so talk to me about your, your ascension, so to speak in this world. So from the time that you started writing copy until the time where you started landing big contracts with large name people, how much time do you think you spent writing copy or studying you know, how to write persuasive copy or any of those types of things? How, how much time realistically do you think you put into the craft? Well, I mean, I, I fully jumped in, I'd say, and called myself a copywriter in 2015. And again, it's interesting because I was already doing it before then with side gigs, but it just didn't hit. So once I jumped in fully and got it, I invested in, in my business and my copywriting business at that point. And so I took off pretty fast at that point and then booked some, um, James Wedmore. I worked with him in 2016, I believe. So I found some amazing clients pretty fast in my copywriting journey. And I do think it's because I invested in my brand early on. I worked with Sarah Ashman, who's an incredible creative director and um, just created this brand that really stood out in this space. And that was really important to me at an early stage because I get the power of branding. And I know that's how James ended up working with me because he found my website and like resonated with the brand and reached out. And nice. once I worked with um, him, he was generous enough to invite me into his mastermind group. I think it was the first time he was running his inner circle mastermind and invited me to teach at his retreat. And so 
I, it was like my first time, I think teaching and speaking, I was so nervous and dyed my hair blonde and like, just was really excited to be there. And so entered into his world. And then from there took off pretty fast because I started working with a lot of his mastermind members. And so we got very busy at that point and didn't really slow down. So I think the power of, you know, networking and being in the right room, if you can get in that right room with the right clients, I mean, it can just be such a true game changer. And I experienced that firsthand. So, you know, part of it was branding, getting the right brand to connect with the right people. Part of it was saying yes to opportunities where you can teach before you feel ready. Mm, and then yeah. part of it was being, being in the right room. All of that in combination really helped me take off. In addition to that, I was in a copywriter mastermind during those early stages at this, around the same time. And so my confidence, I was building my confidence by being surrounded by other copywriters, getting critiqued by other copywriters. And so confidence combined with the other factors really, again, helped me move pretty fast early on. So when, what year did you like write your first piece of copy? Would you say? I was writing copy in 2000. 11, 2012. But again, I still didn't see myself as a copywriter. When I finally saw myself as a copywriter and took copy jobs as a freelancer, it was 2015 where I took my first website copy project and then sales page project project, and then kind of moved into the launch world. Got it. So, So writing copy on and off for three, four years and then started writing copy full time and then got a really good client and then business took off. So just to give like a proper timeline expectation here, I mean, four or five years of, of uh, working on a craft and then that combination of getting in the right room, having worked on your craft, being able to deliver results for, for people, um, like get all of that kind of combining into, uh, into you know, one moment in time or one you know, period of time in your life um, really allowed you to take off. So 2016 to 2020, how's business been going? So as my copywriting business is growing, I met through that same mastermind, my now business partner, Rob Marsh, and he came up with this idea to create the Copywriter Club. And he wanted to partner with me. I think I was his second choice, but I said said yes. And so again, like my copywriting business was taking off and pretty busy, but there was this opportunity. I had already hosted a podcast and I was really eager to host another podcast. And so partnering with him, we were like, let's create this podcast. Let's create this community, see where it goes. And so we partnered in 2016 and um, really officially started the business, I think January of 2017 and started this community for copywriters that took also took off fast with started with the podcast, then started with the Facebook community. The Facebook community grew. It's now 12,000 copywriters and this free community. And so that business also had momentum And so like both businesses had momentum at the same time and were growing at the same time. So I was juggling both for, well, I'm still am juggling both, but it made 2018 a very difficult year. Like that's the year that stands out to me as a very painful year because both businesses were just moving forward fast and I didn't let go of either one or slow down in either one. And so it was just a painful year that where I was like, okay, something has to change. I can't keep moving forward in both of these business at this, at this type of pace. Yeah. So that's, that was the year I kind of burned out. And then ever since then, I've built my copywriting agency as more of a flexible agency so that I can expand and contract as needed based on my load and how many clients I want to work with. 
And then we've built the copywriter club to, you know, to having mastermind groups, um, membership, to having business accelerator programs, to having live events. Um, and so that's been a huge part of the business growth has been the copywriter club. Mm, yeah. That's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit networking relationships here, Kira. And it's been sprinkled throughout your entire story. Um, it's been pretty evident that relationships have, have come into play, even from the, the friend telling you to go into copywriting, you know, and then through to uh, getting connected with people like James Wedmore and then him connecting you with his mastermind. And then the fact that you were in a different mastermind. And then one of those people in the mastermind asked you to partner on this other business that's been really profitable for you. So there's been relationships all throughout your career, but you're also somebody that has, has really perfected her craft. And so um, I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. Who you know, or what you know, Kira, which of those two do you view as being more important and why? Is this a trick question? Um, <laughs> this, this is the question I've asked every guest that's ever come on the show. So I know, I gotta, it's I such a good question. I mean, I would say the people, people are first. People are always first. Hmm. But it's it's tricky, right? Because it's it's you got you have to bring something to the table. But I still think, I mean, any success I've had is because of the connections, the community, the people. Um, the networks I've built. And mm. it starts, it always starts there for me, but I definitely know successful people who uh, maybe aren't as people friendly and maybe have not mastered networking, um, but are really great at what they do. And they've also had success in their own way. It's just not the type of success I would want. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So c- can you tell us, just like give us an example besides the ones that we've already talked about of maybe a relationship, like with someone like James Wedmore reaches out to you, you're like, okay, if I can capitalize on this, it's going to be a big opportunity, right? But there are a lot of other relationships that come across our path that we don't think are going to be hugely impactful in our lives, um, but end up being e- extremely impactful in our lives. And so I'm wondering if you have an example of something like that, maybe a connection that you like a totally, uh, a totally, you know, seemingly, I don't want to say unimportant, but you know, not stand out as crazy awesome opportunity connection, but ended up being that way. Do you, do you have any examples of of something like that that happened? I do, and actually, yeah, one in particular comes to mind. So I want to share that one, and it comes from guesting on podcasts, which is you know very yes. meta because I'm a guest on your podcast, so I know <laughs> you get it. But even early on in my copywriting business, when I like didn't know what I was doing at all, nobody knew who I was. I created a challenge for myself. I was going to pitch 30 podcasts in 30 days and just to see what would happen and put myself out there. And so I did it. I ended up on a bunch of podcasts and I was just more about taking the action before you, you feel ready. And so that's been a really big part of my business, even as it's evolved to today, where my, mm. my marketing channel is guesting on other podcasts. And I view it uh, less of actually about lead generation and more about relationship development. And that's kind of a mindset shift I made in the last six months where I was like, oh, this is really the advantage of being a guest on a podcast is that I have these incredible relationships that I can pull from, especially now during COVID when you cannot, you can't go to events. So um, networking has been at a standstill in a lot of ways. You can still pitch podcasts, go on the podcast, build a really great relationship with the host yeah. and continue that relationship. And so my example would be Mike Kim. I pitched his show and I have a team that's helped me pitch and ended up on Mike Kim's show. Didn't know him. I, I had heard of him and ended up being his guest on his show. We hit it off, you know, both from DC and just had a good relationship from that one conversation. Because of that, I invited him to our big event, which 
took place in March in San Diego. Um, and we squeezed it in before everything shut down, but I invited him to just attend. I was like, here's a ticket. I'll comp you come be our guest. And so he flew to San Diego. And then as the world shut down, we lost half of our speakers in March as we were like two days away from the event, wow. losing speakers left and right, which was understandable. And so we had no keynote speaker all of a sudden. We still had people attending. And so I knew Mike was flying out there. And I asked him, you know, two days before the event, maybe even one day before the event, would you be our keynote speaker? Would you step up and do that for us? And so here's this guy who like coming to the event because I just met him on a podcast. And he ended up being one of our keynote speakers and just <laughs> rocked it, like rocked it. And was just like, not only that, but showed up at the event and like hung out with us at the bar until 3am and just like was fully present at this event and, and really made it a success as many other people did who stepped up at that time. And it all started with a relationship that began on a podcast as a guest over a 45 minute conversation. And, mm -hmm. and like, you can't even predict something like that. And um, I think that's the magic of guesting on shows. And of course you can also have your own show and have that same experience and build great relationships with your own show. But if you're not ready for your own show, um, and even if you do have your own show, going on other people's shows to build that relationship is, is key. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you said it, you said it extremely well. So I guess I'll just repeat what you said a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I tell people all the time, because I, you know, we help people build, we help people build podcasts and stuff. And so I tell people all the time, like, even if you don't see yourself turning your podcast into a huge revenue stream or worrying about getting a million downloads or whatever, just the relationships that you build with people through intentionally connecting and having conversations with awesome people on shows like this, just that by itself will be enough to make it worth every penny and every, every uh, minute of your time that you put into, into building a show or being a guest on shows as you've done, Kira. So um, yeah, really, really appreciate that insight and that story. Mike is a great dude from everything that I've heard. We've connected a couple of times and we still have never gotten him on the show. So I need, I need to, I need to make sure that we get him and make that happen. But but yeah, so I, I really appreciate you coming on, Kira. I mean, there's so many different things that we could continue talking about, but uh, we are coming up on time. So let's go to move into the last segment. Something that's called a random round. Just quick, random questions. Oh, quick, that's random terrifying. Answers. All right. That's terrifying. You, are you ready though? Are you sure you're ready? I'm never ready. It sounds like a lightning round and I'm the slowest lightning <laughs> round person. So you've been warned. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get through it though. I promise. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Oh, well, I fantasize about being a movie director, screenwriter. You know, that's kind of cheating, writing screenwriter. So that's also a profession or becoming a psychologist. I feel mm. like I'd be some type of art therapist. I feel a true calling to mental health. I mean, there's, there's a quite a big need in the mental health department. So I, I fantasize about that. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be and why? <laughs> um, I mean, the first person, the first person who popped into my head, this is not my answer. It was Abraham Lincoln. That just <laughs> was the vision. But I would actually choose, I would choose my uncle George who passed away when I was in high school because I miss him. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Podcast. Totally a podcast. What's a podcast that you would recommend to the audience? The Copywriter Club, for sure, and Spooked. So I will recommend my favorite podcast ever is Spooked. If you like ghost stories, it 
the best ghost stories. And even if you don't like ghost stories, it's just the art of storytelling and audio quality and production and podcasting is phenomenal. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. (laughs) Okay. Well, right now I'm pregnant. And so I've had morning sickness last month. Thank you. So my morning routine is like roll out of bed as late as I can because I'm not ready to start the day any day. (laughs) Um, Normally, normally I get up around 5.30 or 6. I'll exercise, I'll journal. I'll do all like the right things you're supposed to do on a normal basis. But right now it's a little bit, it's a little bit whack right now. What is your go-to pump up song? (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, Under Pressure by David Boy. What is something, putting business aside, just regular life, what's something that you are just not very good at, Kira? So many things. I think I'm really (laughs) bad at so many things. I I can't snap my fingers. I can't whistle. I can't roll my tongue. I can't Those are all good ones. Those are all really good ones. Yeah, stop. I can't do any of it. I can't do any of it. Well, I mean, good thing those things aren't super high paying if you can do them. So you you picked the good thing to be good at. I'll say but that. they make you feel special. I mean, you can't, when you can't snap <laughs> your fingers, you feel like something's wrong with you. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. As we get everything wrapped up here, Kira, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Uh, you can find me at thecopywriterclub.com. And if you're interested in my copywriting services, you can find out about those at kirahug.com. Perfect. So kirahug.com, K-I-R-A-H-U-G.com. Head over there, check out some of the stuff that she has going on. Like I said, guys, if you are in business or marketing and you do not have a copywriter, then um, you should hire somebody like Kira or take her courses or classes, whatever you can afford, whatever level you can jump in at. Copywriting is one of those things that you cannot, you cannot not have. You can't skip over it and hope for the best. You got to have good copy. So Kira, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. I had a blast chatting with you. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.